Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the About IBD podcast. I'm your host, Amber Tresca. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 1989 and had two-step J-pouch surgery in 1999. I'm currently a content creator at VeryWell.com, where I write about inflammatory bowel disease and other digestive conditions. My guest on this episode is Brooke Abbott of the Crazy Creole Mommy Chronicles. Brooke has ulcerative colitis and has had J-pouch surgery. Brooke is going to take us through her pregnancy and birth when she was dealing with ulcerative colitis and a medical team that really wasn't on her side. At the end of the episode, both of us give our best tips for how women can better prepare for the birth process and then bringing home that little demanding person that you love so much. Before we get started, one thing, Brooke's son, his name is Jackson, and his nickname is Hippo, so you'll hear us refer to him in that way. And here's Brooke Abbott, patient advocate and founder of the Crazy Creole Mommy Chronicles. Brooke. <laughs> My crazy Creole mommy. Sometimes it's mommy and sometimes it's mama. Is that right? Yeah, that's just because Instagram doesn't like me very much. So oh. I had to kind of switch it up. And Pinterest too. But everything else is, is crazy Creole mommy. Yeah. yeah. On Instagram, I had to use an underscore. I don't even know why because yeah. I don't even think that there's anyone else using the other handle. So It wouldn't let me. It wouldn't let you. Yeah, weird. Yeah. So you're crazy Creole mommy on all social media, mm -hmm. and your official diagnosis so far is <laughs> <laughs> your official IBD-related diagnosis. Uh, so far yeah. is uh, ulcerative colitis. Ulcerative colitis. Yeah. And you're living with a J pouch. Yes. Now. Yes. Okay. At the moment. At the, at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I say that because. God knows what. Well, you which know. we hope continues. We hope it continues, but yeah. I'm not going to, if it if it doesn't, I'm not going to freak out. Right. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So take me through um, your, when you were uh, diagnosed. Okay. Uh, I was diagnosed in 08. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then the following year, ta-da, you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> You don't even have, like, I feel like a year isn't even long enough to get used to the diagnosis. No, it wasn't. It wasn't mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. um, it, I, <laughs> I wasn't even used to all the medication I had to take. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and I was told that I wouldn't be able to have children. Right. Um, and I was on birth control. But I was also on antibiotics and prednisone. Okay. At the time of conception. So you were pretty complicated yeah actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i had a lot okay. going on yeah a lot going on yeah and you found out you were you found out you were pregnant yeah. because they told you that you shouldn't you were taking precautions so that you wouldn't right um and then you found out yeah uh i was about 12 12 13 weeks 12 13 weeks yeah and i was sick at work and like, what's going on? What is this? Um, but I was also in the middle of a flare. So I think that's what took me so long mm -hmm. to kind of mm -hmm. realize that something else was going on yeah. um, other than, you know, IBD. Well, I think, too, the first time you're pregnant, it's not, 
if you're not trying, you're not looking for it. It's mm -hmm. not something that's going to jump right out at you, especially no. when you've got so many other things going Especially on. when you've been nauseous for the last year, you know? Right, right. And at the time, you were only a year into your diagnosis, you still had your colon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was torturing you. And I was only on, uh, I think I was on Asacol at that time. Okay. So... Yeah. Okay. It was brand brand new. Brand like, new. Like life yeah. was. I didn't even understand what ulcerative colitis was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you found out that you were pregnant, mm -hmm. and then what did your doctors do at that point? Well, right away? I didn't have insurance because I had lost my insurance because of my diagnosis. Yeah. So um, I couldn't see the original GI that um, diagnosed me. I had to go. I had to get state insurance that still kind of didn't cover everything um, and the GI that they recommended me to to be perfectly honest was not an IBD specialist right um, he told me that um, I had hemorrhoids and that pregnant women got hemorrhoids and I needed to just treat my hemorrhoids okay mm -hmm. all right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like I have no response to that. Yeah, so. actually, you know, it's so funny. Uh, Hippo's dad, um, when he heard that, um, he literally stood up and he was like, and we're leaving. And he walked me out. He was so angry. Yeah. Because the doctor, I went in there by myself and I kept arguing with him. I'm like, I don't have hemorrhoids. I know what having hemorrhoids feels yeah, like, and yeah. I'm in the middle of a colitis flare. Right. That's what's happening to me. Right. And he kept telling me, well, I don't know that because I can't do a scope, and I'm telling you as a GI that you don't have colitis. You are not showing signs of having um, IBD at all. He just kept saying that. So he went outside, and I guess he was going to get Jackson's dad to try and convince me that I had hemorrhoids. And so... They walk in together, and I said, he keeps telling me I have hemorrhoids. Speaking of the doctor, I was like, yeah. he keeps telling me that I have hemorrhoids. Can you please tell him that I have ulcerative colitis? Yeah. And at that moment, he just got up and he grabbed my arm. He's like, we're leaving. So you were already diagnosed. You had a diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. You were un you had undergone treatment yeah. already. Yeah. And he was just like in yeah. denial. Of yeah. What did he do an exam, a rectal, or anything like that nope. to look? He nope. didn't even look. No. And how pregnant were you at that point? Um. Oh, that was at sixteen weeks because I just I, okay. I just was able to get um, medical because I'm in California. Yeah. Um based on the fact that I was pregnant and I, and I had a high-risk pregnancy. Okay. And so that was what they labeled it so that I could have the insurance. And then they sent me to this guy and, um, you know, he, I, I kept asking him if he wanted me to send over my records and he was just, he, he just didn't, he didn't care. Wasn't interested in no. treating you. No. Because also at 16 weeks, uh, you know, I mean, I don't have data in front of me. I don't know how many women, how many pregnant women have hemorrhoids at 16 weeks, but it's kind of a little early for hemorrhoids. It's usually later. All I had at 16 weeks was boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have a and stomach or, like, or yeah, something like nausea that. Yeah. and like, you know, just dizziness right, um, and right. an aversion to most food. It, right. Yeah. yeah. But, but all of those things. And his dad's cologne. Oh, Woo! funny. Yeah. Well, strong smells oh, in general. Yeah, probably. that was not cute. Yeah. So that guy was fired. Yeah, no, yeah, we, we walked out. Walked out. Um, 
but because at the time, this was pre-ACA, um, pre-Obamacare. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at that time, um, I could not pick another GI right. because I was stuck in this plan. One of the things that ACA has done is allowed people with chronic conditions to treat their chronic conditions however they need to. So if you need to change doctors, if you need to find a way to change medications, um, it kind of gives you that that breathing room. Um, and I didn't have that. So I did, um, that GI did not mesh with my OB. She tried to figure things out, but um, because of that whole conflict, I was taken off Asacol because she, I, I think she was not familiar with it. Yeah. And so she just took me off because she didn't know if it would, um, cause any complications with the baby. Right. And there's the idea that um, pregnant women should be off all medication, right. Right. which is not... It's not, it's not necessary. Um, in fact, I definitely should have been on it, and I, I would have had a, a better uh, postpartum life. So you were receiving Asacol, was, that's maintenance mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. treatment. How were you responding to that at the time? Well, or not really? Not no. No, but I was, you know, and that's the sad thing. Um, I was diagnosed. I didn't really understand it. Yeah. Now looking back, I realize I wasn't responding to it. But then okay. I'm just like, okay, well, this is just how it is, and I just got to keep taking exactly. these pills. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, and it was it was pretty frustrating that I was still sick. Right. Because also in my mind, I felt like you know, when I take my asthma medicine, I take a breathing treatment, and I can breathe. Right. So it should be the same for these. 10 pills I have to take. Right. You know? Right. But, no. but you had fallen between the cracks because of the lack of insurance at right. the time. Well, so. I was paying cash for everything. Right. Yeah. Uh, which on a assistant director's budget. Yeah. It ain't cute. It's not, it's not great. No. Yeah. And so you weren't receiving care from a specialist. You were not responding to what you were doing. And then somehow your little body <laughs> managed to catch pregnant. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's so funny that the surgeon who took out my colon two days after when he came up for the follow-up, mm -hmm. he's having a conversation with me and he goes, I just, I, I need to know, did you, did you give birth to your son? I was like, yeah. And he goes, I, I just, I don't know how you did it. Oh. I mean, he really, he was like, I don't know how you carried another human being in that body. Hey, this is Stephanie from The Stolen Colon. I'm a mom of two young kids, and I'm living with Crohn's disease and a permanent ileostomy. I'm inviting you to be a part of the conversation on Twitter for parents with IBD and parents of kids who have IBD. Use the hashtag IBDMoms to join in and to get all the info on our upcoming Twitter chats. While you're there, don't forget to follow me at SML Hughes and check out my blog at stolencolon.com. It was pretty bad. You had uncontrolled disease. You managed to get pregnant anyway, mm -hmm. um, despite all doing all of the things to not. Mm -hmm. and, and went into some sort of remission right. during my pregnancy, which was a miracle uh, because I gained weight. I gained, I went from being like, you know, 115 pounds to by the time I gave birth, I was 196 pounds mm -hmm. um, 
all baby. Mm-hmm. Um, my hair was growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an appetite. I did, you know. So you were, it, what they say is that a third of women get better, a third of women get worse, and a third of women stay the same. Mm-hmm. So you were in the third of women that get better mm-hmm. during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, but they took you off the acetal. Were you right. on anything else? No. No. For the first, like right after I found out I was pregnant, and then up until like before my 20 week, uh-huh. um, I was on prednisone. Okay. I was on a taper. Okay. And a pretty high dose. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, which was so scary. Oh my God, that was, that was frightening. Because yeah. I knew that I needed it, yeah. but I did not know what the side effects were going to be um, for the rest of my pregnancy and for the baby. Mm-hmm. So. Right. So nobody ever told you this This is actually going to be okay with, with this. There's very low risk of, because that's the truth. There's yeah. very low risk no, of. No one, no yeah. one said that. Okay. In fact, the OB was panicked. She, I, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So your OB sounds like of the vein that you shouldn't be on anything. Yeah. They didn't want you Well, on. I was labeled as a high-risk pregnancy, right. so they literally treated me like I was a specimen. She was, fit, she, you know, and she was very sweet, but almost to the point of, like, taking care of me as if I was glass. Yeah. You know, Um most people didn't have as many ultrasounds as I've had. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I saw her probably more than I saw my siblings. Cause right. Because I was always in her you office. You were always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they took you off everything. You did better as a third of women do. Mm-hmm. Then they put you on the prednisone to try to make sure that when you gave birth, things would be yeah. better. Yeah. She put you on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you weren't under the care of even a, a gastro at that time because no. of the insurance because, situation. And because he refused to acknowledge that I had The see. one that you could see right. was not going to treat you anyway. He wanted to send you home with like some preparation H or something. Right. It, that's exactly what he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's without even doing a rectal exam that is just it's shocking to it's me. irresponsible it's irresponsible is yeah. what it is yeah yeah okay so you were you were doing better I did really well for my well so I did really well as far as the UC was concerned yeah uh, for my second trimester and for the beginning of my third right I had some hypoglycemia issues where yeah. I would get kind of dizzy and you know Electrolytes below. I had some iron issues, but yeah. other than that, nothing super out of the ordinary. No. You didn't end up in the hospital or on bed rest or anything like Mm-mm. that. Yeah. I had one emergency trip, and that was early on. Right. It was not. Um, yeah, not at all. So then it comes time to talk about how you're gonna have the baby. <laughs> yeah. What did they say to you at that time? Uh, well, I had this whole like idea um being you know (laughs) 25 years old and Mm -hmm. being from los angeles and having a mom who gave birth naturally uh four times um i was gonna have a water birth at first i was gonna have a home birth and then um 
I realized that Jackson's father was uh, squeamish and um, would have passed out if we gave birth in our home. And then um, I thought about having a water birth, and then he realized that he would have to get into the water with me, <laughs> and he almost passed out at the thought of that. <laughs> so uh, then I, I was going to have a vaginal birth, and um, the OB was totally fine with I'm that. I'm bored with that. Yeah. She totally recommended it. Good. Um, yeah. She was very much like, we can do this. Uh and then, and then that didn't happen, <laughs> right? Be because as with as with all women, yeah. <laughs> you have your idea of what you want to happen. Yeah, that's not what happens. No, and you know, and I now I tell people to prepare for everything. You have to prepare for everything. I didn't. I my own stubbornness got in my way. Yeah, I had decided that I was going to have a vaginal birth, and that was the only thing I read about. Well, you had no reason to expect otherwise. You had a strong family history of being able to yeah. um, give birth in the, in the way which you wanted to. Right. And then things happened. happened. What? Now, I, I know what the end result was, but mm -hmm. I don't think I know the play-by-play. The -play. So give me the play-by-play. -play. Well, so um, I started to flare towards the end of right. my third trimester. Right. And... Um, the night of my big sister's wedding, sorry, the morning of, mm -hmm. I started having contractions. Yeah. Um, and the baby dropped. And so we just assumed that after the wedding and the day after, the baby was going to come. Okay. Um, three weeks and about two days later, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I go into the doctor and I basically tell her that I am about to reach up there myself and <laughs> grab the baby out if nobody figures this out. Because at by that time, I also was having very loose stools, high urgency. Yeah. Um, I had left-sided ulcerative colitis. Yeah. And so the pain on my left side was out of control. Excruciating, yeah. And she didn't really understand it. So the more I okay. said, I'm having left-sided pain, yeah. she was like... Well, might be Braxton Hicks. I'm like, it's not that. No, it's different. It's definitely different. Yeah. Um, so we we went around and around, and and on that Monday, um, I went to her and I, you know, I was just like, I'm, we got to do this now. Like mm -hmm. it's it's got to, mm -hmm. whatever we got to do. Mm -hmm. So she talked about Pitocin. She called the hospital, see if there was a bed. She said there's no bed. Come back Tuesday. <sighs> Come back tomorrow at. She gave me like a time, like six o'clock. I'm like, <laughs> what? Oh, I remember because, you know why? Because uh, Jackson's dad had a meeting. Oh my God, yes, that's what it was. This fool had a meeting in Arizona on Tuesday. Um, at the end of your pregnancy? At the end of my pregnancy. <laughs> he goes to some oil convention <laughs> with all these oily guys <laughs> while I'm sitting at home. And so ready to drop the baby. Yeah. Asking <laughs> to get in, go into the hospital. And yes, because the day we went in on that Monday, I kept saying, I, I, we need to get this done. Yeah. And she looks at him. I don't know why she even looked at him. She looks at him and she's like, well, is today okay for you or tomorrow? <laughs> and he's like, well, actually I have a meeting in Arizona. I can come back after three. I was like, nobody is paying attention to the person that's the human being growing inside of them right now. 
don't understand why everybody else's schedule's count. Everybody else's schedule was more important than, than yours and your discomfort and what was and best for the baby, by the way. Yeah. If you were Hello. not doing well, then the baby could maybe, be not doing ba- well. Maybe yeah. the baby should have just maybe come out. Maybe the baby, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we get there Tuesday. Um, by this time, I am like the, the, oh my God, the bottom of my stomach had stretched. Because yeah. we also had figured out that the original date of conception was off. Yeah, and it happens. Yeah. By a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And so the bottom of my stomach had stretched and yeah. it, was, it was painful. And so yeah. I needed help getting out of bed. I needed help getting in and out of the car. I got stuck in my sister's car, actually. Which was, <laughs> I don't even know why she had that stupid short sports car. It's stupid. Just so dumb. Oh, the indignity. I had to wait for her husband to come home so I could get out. Oh, my God. Because she's shorter than me. Yeah. So she couldn't, she couldn't, she couldn't lift couldn't me. Lift well, yeah. Yeah. No, it was. You had all that baby going on. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we get to the hospital, and we're and everything seems to be going good. They hook me up to the Pitocin. We're still on vaginal um, delivery. I'm still having some pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they tell, they tell my mom and in-laws and everybody they can just go and come back tomorrow (laughs) so they they leave me there and I end up having a brief moment of realizing that there was going to be um, a baby um, coming out Out of my it that was Mm -hmm. just I I realized this was the end game yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so I remember I called um, his dad and I was like hey um, so I know like I kind of like kicked this into high gear but maybe <laughs> we could come back tomorrow, yeah. and then I'll be ready to do it. And he's like, "No, yeah, no. no, we're gonna start the drip. Started, yeah. It's, it's time to time to go." Yeah. Um, the next day, everything seemed to be going pretty smoothly. The pitocin labor is pitocin oh. is a drug that makes your body do the contractions. Yeah, which your body is your body knows how to do it and that's what your body is for but pitocin contractions are more painful and more intense they than, kick them up a notch yeah then um sort of uh natural contractions for lack of a better word it's like having an omelet and taking instead of like dropping a couple drops of hot sauce on there to get a little taste mm-hmm. You you take the bottle mm-hmm. and you break it in half and then mm-hmm. you just dump hot sauce on your <laughs> omelet. <laughs> so did you have? Because I had two different experiences. I had back labor with my first, and then the second was a very different type of labor. With the back labor, it was not your your contraction break, contraction break, constant pain. Yeah. Was that what it was yeah. like for you too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, it, it was not. That's very, because I, it's well, tiring. Like, I could, de- it's tiring because you can deal with a contraction that lasts a minute, you know, it's going to end, you know, you're going to get a break when it just doesn't stop. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. And, and then the, the doula gave, you know, Jackson's dad a job of watching the monitor, which I think in his mind at that time, he was so nervous. Yeah. He thought that he needed to tell me that he I was having contractions. Right. As if I wasn't right. feeling them. Yeah. I can, if, if there are any men listening, <laughs> just want to just wanna reiterate that <laughs> you don't have to explain you, you to know. your wife that she's having a contraction because yeah. 
she can feel them. Yeah. All the control. She yeah. feels all of them. So the the only time when you need that is when you have pain management that you are not feeling them. Yeah. I then mean, you need to know right. when you're having. That's what the monitoring is for. But right. yeah, when you're when you're when you're freestyling it, yeah. you know that you know the contractions mm, are yeah, there. Yeah. And I I actually didn't get to the point of having being able to have an epidural because what ended up happening and because it, I had so much pain and you know when you when you have that kind of pain everything's up you know you're seizing up your whole body yes, is just you can't you can't come down you're from supposed that. to relax but ugh, no. it's very you really just can't no and I, my whole left side was on fire yeah I mean I was having just straight up IBD pain yeah um, I had some blood that was coming out by itself just from yeah you know just because yeah. um, and I remember I looked, I looked up and I, I said, I was like, something's not right. Mm-hmm. I think you need to get, get the doctor. My whole, I just remember like I got a shooting pain that went all the way down to my toes on my left side. And then all of a sudden it was like hard to breathe. Yeah. Like I just could not breathe. And um, right when I said that, the doctor came flying in and uh, Jack's, his, uh, his heart rate dropped considerably. My heart rate was going through the roof. And um, I started shaking violently. Yeah. Um, and then she came in and she talked about us having a C-section. And when they went in there to get them, the reason why his heart rate dropped is because he had decided he wasn't coming out. He had wrapped you know, most kids may, like, wrap themselves up in the cord. Yeah. Well, he had wrapped his arm and had also kind of wrapped his other arm and was holding on to the umbilical cord okay. and was hanging on for dear life. Yeah. And had kind of pulled himself away from, to like, to one side. So they went in and got him and... Um, How long did it take from... When, because what they told me was basically if something occurs, they can have that baby out in like five minutes. Yeah. So how long? It wasn't five minutes. No. Well, I mean, that would be an extreme emergency. But where I labored, the rooms were also, they could do a C-section. Oh, see, no, we had to move to a surgical. You had to move. Yeah. Um, You know what? I really don't know because by the time they gave me that epidural, I was... I was like asking for an orange and socks. And yeah, it was. Yeah, it gets weird. It got really weird. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it felt like an hour. Like if uh-huh. I really think about it, it feels yeah. like time was just okay. so slow. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm sure it was a lot quicker. I'm sure it wasn't because when they start to get uh, worried is when the baby's heartbeat drops yeah like that yeah no I mean I remember being wheeled back I remember yeah. the whole shaving and the catheter and all that kind of stuff happened right. really fast yeah um but I don't I, I really I honestly don't know yeah. um I was also just so tired by the time all that happened yeah um that I I just I was all over the place yeah yeah so your 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 birth story is not the story that you'd hoped to tell. No. What are the things that you would tell mothers with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease that they should prepare for for their birth story? 
Um, well, the first thing is don't don't be so set on one thing that yeah. you aren't prepared for anything to happen. And I, I would say that to any mom. Yeah. Oh, that's true for every, you know, every mom. Not yeah. just someone who has a disease or complications. Right. Um, I would have preferred having a GI consult. Right. Um, perhaps a GI nurse right. as well. Um, or have a doula with you who understands your disease and understands what's going on and can right. speak for you. Because, um, you know, I had a nurse who just kept telling me that the pain on my left side was labor and I really just needed to mm-hmm. calm down and I couldn't have an epidural and, you know, labor was painful. Yeah. Um, labor is painful. Well, yeah, it is. But, but it's different. It's pain. different. It's different pain. It feels, I don't know if you would agree with me because you're birth story had so has so much wrapped up in it but it's pain in um but it's productive pain you yeah. sort of understand in your brain yeah. that this is going somewhere and that you know you have to go through it right. whereas yeah. to me the ulcerative colitis just pain keeps going. just seems like pain it's just got no purpose yeah it's got no purpose it keeps going you know at the end of labor you have this wonderful beautiful yeah. gift yeah you know and you know that you've it's you like know. running a marathon you know you're getting to a finish line yes you know you just gotta keep you going know. yeah um i would also suggest talking to a lactation specialist a, a lactation specialist before you even like I took some classes yeah well you should definitely take all the classes you can yeah I would speak to a lactation specialist before you go in um, just to get you comfortable with everything that's going on um, because if you do have a c-section they will tell you the baby may not latch blah blah, blah. it could be true it may not it be, true. be true you know Jackson he latched on immediately yeah um, that was not a problem but I would also talk to someone after you give birth and talk to them about the medications that you're on talk to them you know talk to them about your issues with dehydration and all of that you need all all of these things to help you get through the next few weeks of living with this human being and trying to feed this human being and everything you know once you leave the hospital right so um, that tickled my brain because I want to mention that there's a couple resources. Uh, one is Mother to Baby, mm-hmm. that they have very, very good um, data on IBD medications and pregnancy and lactation and all of that. So you can look up things there. They also have specialists that you can talk to. Yeah. And then also um, La Leche, which, you know, I think is a household name. Almost everybody knows that. But yeah. um, there's there's people there that are uh, resources as well. And then there's also a website called Kelly Mom, which has a lot of good resources. Those were the thing. Well, I'd, Mother to Baby wasn't around when I was in that. But um, La Leche and Kelly Mom were there, and I found a lot of good information there. And then, like, I went through four lactation consultants before they figured out my problem. Yeah. So I had to keep going. Yeah, you know, and I, and also, I would say this because I I had mom shamers from a mom group yeah. about not being able to breastfeed. Yeah, um, there are donations that you can get. You can get breast milk donations. There are yeah. a few different groups, um, and I have to. I think actually they're on my website. I can't okay. remember right now. Well, we can look them up and then yeah, I'll put them in we'll, the notes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you can get breast milk donated. Uh, don't be 
scared or afraid yeah, to put your child all. on formula. Yeah. I, I, and I say this to all moms, but specifically moms with any kind of complication because you don't know what's going to happen after. Like I said, you may have a plan and it just it may, it just may not work out that way. And yeah. that's okay. That's okay. Because it happens to everyone. Um, but don't run yourself ragged and stress yourself out over feeding your baby. Over feeding the baby, yeah. I think um, as adults were, as adults before we have children, we're used to be having so much control over everything. Yeah. And I honestly feel like, even during the pregnancy, you have a lot of control. I feel like birth is the first time when you really, really get a taste of what's to come mm -hmm. and that you are not in control of things mm -hmm. anymore mm -hmm. and you have to accept changes with some grace yeah. and try to figure out how to get through it and do what's best for your family. Yeah, yeah, because the first three months are nutty. They are. You know what? They're my favorite, though. Newborn was my favorite. Oh, well, because that's because they smell so good. Oh, it they just smell it was like, my favorite. I just, I mean... The smells and just... All of it. Uh, just all of it, yeah. And you know, I actually... Well, I don't want to say I didn't bond with my baby um, for the first few days, but I was just... There was lots of medication. Yeah. Lots yeah. of things going on. And I really did not get... And I was just so in, like, change, feed, hold. Right. Like, I was just trying to get it all right. Yeah. That I didn't have that moment of, like, whoa, I'm a mom. And this is, like, the most incredible thing yeah. until maybe a week later. Yeah. 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 I Well, I think there's that, too, because I think some people expect to feel this magical all of a sudden rainbow thing yeah, as soon and as it, it doesn't necessarily work that way not always yeah. and so you have to be prepared for that as well I would say you know do as much reading as you can about that kind of thing yeah. like I wouldn't be afraid like don't be afraid yeah you know don't go into your birth fearful yeah um but go into your birth prepared yeah and I mean you know when he was born it was awesome yeah and I was very happy, and yeah. I was very happy for the whole week, but there was that moment, it was a Sunday, I'll never forget it. Yeah. And everybody had left, and the house was dark, and his dad was doing laundry, and I was holding the baby, and I, I had just fed him, and I looked down, and he looked at me, and it was like, oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're mine. This yeah. is, this is, this is it. This is so cool. This is us. You know? Yeah. yeah. It was like, it was magic. And I hadn't had that before. Oh. It just, it did, it, I had looked at him. I mean, he stared at me as soon as they handed him yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, and yeah, it scared the crap out of me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, but it, that, and I think I had started to panic a little bit because I didn't, you know, I would hear these stories about these moms, like, crying and feeling so fulfilled and I was like I'm itchy actually <laughs> <laughs> I'm not feeling that thing I'm not feeling fulfilled right now I'm yeah. feeling like one boob is heavier than the other and I yeah. feel really itchy from the anesthesia yes yeah you know so, so. It, pre it presented some challenges it delayed your your real deep bonding moment for a little while yes yes yeah and and 
you know, I think also I've, and I've, I've talked about this a lot. Um, a lot of us will get the baby blues, you know, your, yeah. your hormones are going up and down, up and down. Oh, yeah. But when you're also dealing with a chronic condition and you got all this other stuff, yeah. um, you know, I would thoroughly suggest talking it out to someone professionally. Yeah. Because I didn't know I had postpartum depression until he was, mm, he was about 14 months. Yeah. And I had been, I went through the whole year. Right. Of just feeling completely inadequate and just all of it. All of that. All of it. I, I, I probably cried almost every day. Yeah. For a, over yeah. a year. Yeah. Which is, and that's not the baby blues. No. The baby that's blues is else. a thing. Yeah. It's something, yeah, this was something this else. This was something else. Yeah. You know, it's it's all of that stacked together. And so right. I think sometimes um, we tend to forget, we get caught up in everything that's happening in those first three months. You know, yeah. you have lack of sleep. You're trying to get used to this new human being. You're trying to, they're, and they're doing so many different things. Every day it's something new. Yeah. In, in a short amount of time um, right. that you're not paying attention to yourself and um, you know and, and you may be paying attention to your health by taking your medication right. by talking to your GI by doing all the, the things the structural things that you need to do but right. uh, mental health is very important um, yeah. because there's not one person that can bring you happiness you have to be happy within yourself right so that's a great place to end it. Yay. I think you just named the episode. You have to be happy within yourself. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> you may have. Thanks for sharing your birth story with me. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I knew the highlights, but I didn't know the whole thing. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah. good. And sharing your wisdom, having come through all of that, so other moms can benefit from it. I just don't want any other mom to feel alone because for so long, you know, before I found you guys, yeah, there was a there was a lonely journey. You know, and that's that's not a, a, a slap on any of my friends or my family or you know Jackson's dad like that. I'm I'm not no, saying that it's not about that. It's not about that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just yeah, it 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 can feel lonely. Right. Yeah. So recognize that in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's okay. That's okay. Because you're not the only one. Definitely not. No. All right. Well. Brooke, my crazy Creole mama. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. Hey, that's so cool that you're still listening. I'm going to give you a warm hug. Did you feel it? Before she was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, Brooke was in the film industry. So she took the skills that she learned there and applied them toward patient advocacy. And now she's dedicated herself to advocating for families that are touched by IBD. Just like everyone else, when patient advocates are first diagnosed, they don't know anything about the disease and they have to learn along the way. Unfortunately, that sometimes comes with really, really hard lessons. And while I wouldn't wish that on anyone, a patient advocate comes out the other side, has learned 
from those things that have happened and takes that information and tries to make sure that it doesn't happen again to patients that are newly diagnosed or who are going through the same situations in their disease journey. Special thanks to Brooke Abbott for sitting down with me and telling me the entirety of Jackson's birth story. He's quite a kid. If you follow Brooke on Pinterest and Instagram and the Twitters and the Facebooks, you'll see all of the shenanigans that they get up to. And it's very, very cool. Look in the show notes. I've got links to all of her social media information, as well as all of my social media information. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. IBD.